Thank you for listening to this episode of the following films podcast, a movie podcast that takes you on a weekly journey into the world of cinema and the minds of the talented individuals who shape it. I'm your host, Chris Maynard, and today I'm joined by William Goldenberg. William has edited more than 20 film and television projects since 1992. He won the Academy Award for Best Film Editing for Argo and has been nominated for The Insider, Seabiscuit, Zero Dark Thirty, and The Imitation Game. He's also received nominations for nine other editing-related awards. Recent credits include Air, Detroit, and Transformers, Rise of the Beast. But before we dive into our conversation with William, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Bookman's. Bookman's is your go-to independent bookstore where you can find an extensive selection of books, movies, music, and so much more. They truly believe in the power of storytelling and in the magic of the cinematic arts. So if you're looking to expand your film, music, or book collection, be sure to visit your nearest Bookman's. There's always something truly wonderful to uncover. Have you followed the Following Films podcast on Spotify? If you have, well, thank you. If you haven't, head on over to Spotify, search for Following Films, and give us a follow. It really does help the show. Air is currently streaming on Amazon Prime. I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Perfect. How are you today, Billy? Good. Fine. I'm fine. Thank you. How are you? I'm sorry. It's just the uh, getting used to how quickly these things move along. It feels like oh, you yeah, probably have whiplash <laughs> through these. So I got to tell you right off the bat, man, there's probably... 15 different times I could have been as excited to be speaking to you as I am today. Um, just your body of work is so impressive. And it's been something that I've been following your stuff for quite a long time now. And to see some of your best work still coming out at this point is pretty remarkable. So um, just congratulations. Uh, Airs, this is the third time I've seen it. It really is something oh, special. Yeah, I just love the movie. And thank you for all that. I mean, I, I, and I've been... You know, I've worked really hard, but I've also been really lucky. And and um, but Ayers really is a special film. It's you know, I've done so much material that is sort of darker tones. You know, yeah. and, and um, it's really nice to work on a film, especially right now, and you know the way the country is and the world is, to have a film where at the end of it, people come out and they're happier. You know, it, it really, it really genuinely, because I've been to a, obviously a ton of screenings and it really genuinely inspires people and you, people come out with a smile on their face and they're in the, in the screen, they're laughing, enjoying it. And then it still means something. It's a rare thing to be a part of something like that. And I don't take it lightly, you know, um, it, it's just, it, it's a really gratifying feeling to make people a little happier than they were two hours before. Man, if there's a time that we needed a social and emotional palate cleanser, it's definitely right now. So, yeah, that, that's not lost on me. I think the film is apolitical and everybody can enjoy it. And, you know, it's, um, you know, it's a film about the underdog, you know, sticking to his convictions. It's still about a mother's love for her son. I mean, those are universal themes I think everybody can relate to. Absolutely. And I think that the movie on the just by the description of it for me is something I normally wouldn't be attracted to uh, because a sort of love letter to a giant conglomerate is not something that I would normally care about or be interested in. And I had hesitation, but then you see the people that are working on this film and it's like, well, at the very least there was something that attracted these people 
And then you realize, I think that it is about this one man story. It really is. There's all these things around it. You know, there's the Phil Knight, the Jordan, all these other characters, but really it's the, to me, it's this one man and this one woman are at the center of the story. It's these two people coming together. Uh, and that's what the real power of this film is. I agree. And I think that people see themselves as one of those characters. I mean, it's easy yeah. to see yourself as funny, you know, like a, for me anyway, I grew I was in my twenties at the time. And, you know, when this movie was being made uh, this time period, this film takes place and I can relate so heavily to it. And, and, you know, it's a sports movie without sports. And, yeah. um, and it, I mean, it could be Nike, it could be any company. It's, you know, it, it's obviously the visibility of Nike and Air Jordan and all that, but it could be, a, it could, you know, you could put that into almost any company, almost any situation and it would work, you know? Um, and I think it's what's so, what's so great about it. And so universal about it. Agreed completely. Um, but I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about working with music, because this thing has probably more needle drops than any movie I've seen in the last 20 years. And you, you approach it differently throughout. And I'm not sure that that's something that gets recognized by people right away, but like the opening sequence in this, where you're dealing with reenacted footage, you're dealing with stock footage, you're dealing with this imagery and you're all putting this all together to the rhythm of the song very clearly. And then you have other times where it's played more for, you're not cutting on the beat necessarily, but you are cutting to the emotion of the song and it's uh but you can feel it throughout. Yeah. I mean, the opening obviously is to set the time, set the feel, set the world of pop culture and what's happening and, you know, like cell phones and commercials and movies and, and, you know, and, and commercials for the sneakers and, uh, you know, and then I'm combining that with, with the footage that Ben shot on set or he shot or the extras shot. I mean, he gave cameras to everybody and we had an unending amount of footage from that Nike, uh, you know, the Nike offices that looked like archival and, and, it, you know, the, production design the costume design is so good it, you know you really feel like you're there and it's you know just to set the audience in that into that tone into the feel so when they enter into the film they know where they are you know as opposed to just i think i can't even remember i think that the film is scripted without that opening oh really and, yeah and then and then so just started in chris tucker's office and um and then you know this even the little the the vegas um the thing in vegas and the thing in the high school basketball game that was supposed to be further along in the body of the movie. And um, we moved it up into the front because it felt like it sets up Sonny's character. He's a gambler. Absolutely. You know, he does these basketball games so that when they talk about it later, it makes more sense as opposed to seeing it after. Um, so we worked that into the opening, um, you know, and so it wasn't just sort of a, you know, a montage of, of pop culture and, and um, you know, and then, and then, you know, so I wasn't like trying to, to cut on the beat, you know, I was trying, right. you know, you mix these like, you don't want to do every, you know, so it's a kind of, you know, it's a combination of how long does this shot want to be, you know, mm. and it's, and it, but it feels rhythmic, even if it's not right on the beat, hopefully it feels rhythmic anyway. Um, yeah, and then good. Uh, then, um, and then in the body of the movie, it's more, it's sometimes it's being used like just as energy blasts and, you know, just to give you like, uh, like sort of an emotional hit and it's played loud and sometimes it's played more like score and something, you know, so we were always very conscious of how is this, you know, how is this work thematically and how does it work story-wise? 
And, you know, the, and, you know, obviously the songs relate to, you know, the, to what's happening in the story. And I have never worked with a, on a movie with that many needle drops either. Um, I'm wondering if there's a Tarantino film that has more, but I, I don't I, know. I don't think so. I mean, maybe not, maybe not. And then, you know, on top of that, we, you know, we were going to have a, a composer for this film and a couple of the people we went and talked to weren't available. So we, you know, I start, I always temp, put temp music in just, you know, underscore. Mm-hmm. And we didn't, we didn't have a composer, not that they were, they would have been writing that early anyway. So I just started temping the movie with music uh, underscore from song from movies of that period. Sure. Uh, Desperately seeking Susan and all these, you know, three o'clock high and these, Oh, and uh, sorry, three o'clock. I wouldn't underrated movie. Uh, no, I, know, I, know. I could talk about that auto, thing for right? yeah. hours. I know, you know, I almost worked on that movie as an apprentice and I didn't get the job for some reason. <laughs> um, God, yeah. It, that's everything I love about eighties films can be captured in that. No, one. Sorry. It really, it is really underrated. You're right. Um, Today's episode of the following films podcast is brought to you by Bookman's. So the last time I went into Bookman's, I went straight over to the movie section as I often do. And I was so excited because one of my favorite things that happens when I go in there, I'm looking for a movie and I don't know exactly what I want to see, something I've been meaning to see and there's a blind spot. And when I saw East of Eden, I was super excited because it's a movie I've been wanting to see for years, but for whatever reason, I've just never gotten around to it. So the film adaptation of John Steinbeck's East of Eden it's a powerful cinematic achievement. I, I know I'm not the first person to say this, but it absolutely does justice to the novels, what can only be described as profound themes and the complex characters. It's directed by uh, Kazan and features outstanding performances uh, from the whole cast, but mainly here by James Dean as uh, Cal Trask. The film captures the essence of the book while adding its own visual and emotional dimension. Uh, The cinematography, which looks absolutely incredible in 4K, captures the rugged beauty of the California landscape. So it sets the stage for this intense family drama that unfolds throughout the film. And the screenplay manages to condense this complex novel that is East of Eden without feeling truncated. It makes this really intricate plot takes that and then just condenses it down and really only gets the essential elements of it and all the themes are still intact with love jealousy and the struggle between good and evil that's all there and it doesn't feel like a lesser than it feels like a compliment to um if you've read east of eden and haven't seen the film definitely catch up on it highly recommend it if you've only seen the film and haven't read the book definitely check out the book as well it's worth your time Uh, But in the movie, James Dean's portrayal of the troubled Cal, it's nothing short of iconic. Uh, It showcases his raw talent and charisma. The supporting cast is also incredible, especially Julie Harris, I think does an equally compelling job here um, with just an outstanding performance. And there's a depth and authenticity to these characters that wasn't very common for this time. So it's something pretty remarkable here. Uh, East of Eden, it's absolutely a classic that continues to resonate Uh, to this day still holds up Um, I think that's mainly because of its exploration of human nature and the complexity of family dynamics it's a timeless masterpiece that deserves a place in the 
annals of cinematic history. I, I think it's there. It just took me a long time to catch up with it. Uh, this is a must-watch for anyone who appreciates powerful storytelling and exceptional performances. So remember, next time you go to Bookman's, they have your cool covered. Hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Anyway, so I start, I was temping the film that way, and then after like a week or so, he was really liking it. And then I just so I got like every '80s movie score that I could get my hands on, and he said, "What do you think about just temping the whole movie with '80s score and then buying it?" And I thought, "Wow, that's uh, what a great idea! Like, what a great sort of nod to all those classic movies." And the score is working so well, and it really sets that sets the film in that time period as opposed to somebody just aping it and doing, you know, a version of that. Why not just use it? So it was so much fun for me because I basically did most of it myself, and I would help with this music editor named Corey Milano. So you know, it was it was really fun to do and challenging while I was still cutting the film to you know keep keep that stuff coming and keeping you know up to up up to camera with all the you know and having having music in it because you have to, when there's music necessary in a scene as an editor you have to put it in people yeah they expect it now with digital editing they expect more sound work they expect more music they expect to look like a finished film almost um but then when we tried to clear all those pieces of music <laughs> you have no idea like how many people are dead um it was a yeah. situation where 25 different people had been were deceased of all, that were involved and it was we just kept we just couldn't believe it and then nobody knew not all of them but a, a fair amount of them we'd call universal or another studio some whatever it was and and you say well who has the rights to this and they were like we have no idea like try try so and so i mean it was that like you're like you have no idea i mean it's a we just couldn't believe like the record keeping didn't seem to be that good then. So it was really hard. Our music supervisor, between the songs and all the score, trying to clear all that stuff was just like a Herculean effort. I think she... I can't it, imagine. I don't, think anybody's, I don't think anybody's tried to clear more stuff for a movie than, than air, I'm sure. Um, and, you know, and then it's prices and, like, what's it going to cost, you know? And and um, the, especially the songs, you know, yeah. the song, songs are very expensive so we had to do a little shuffling around well you can have born in the usa but you can't have that you know we can afford that but you can't have that so we're gonna find a substitute for that and here's something that's like it and you know so it's a lot of you know jigsaw puzzle pieces moving around to get it to get it where it was and we we worked on it really right up until the end well it seems like there's a couple that were very they're the obvious ones like you mentioned you know Born in the USA or Sirius or these other songs that you just kind of, they make sense why it would be there and you have to have them. Was there anything that for you that you were dropping in, in that temp track that you were editing to that maybe was a, a big swing to get that you knew, but it just worked somehow. Born in the USA was a big swing to get. Okay. Because I mean, obviously, you know, Justin, Justin, Jason and Matt are talking about born in the USA and that scene. And it was, you know, Ben was like, like, we've got to put it in as a callback. I wouldn't even have thought of it because I thought, well, there's no way we're going to, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, but then, and then, you know, I think Ben knows Bruce Springsteen a little bit, but so he's going to call him. But then it turns out Bruce Springsteen doesn't even own his own music anymore. Oh my God. He sold his catalog. So we had no, like, and you know, they, 
we got that song, but you know, maybe we didn't, you know, we changed another song or two to make up for the deficit in the budget, you know, because, you know, you start, it goes cha-ching, 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 and then all of a sudden you got a very expensive soundtrack. So again, our music supervisor did a brilliant job of like, well, how about this? How about this instead of that? This one's cheaper. And in several cases, they were better. You know, it was yeah. it was funny how we got like maybe a slightly lesser known song, but it, it turned out to be better for the movie in almost every case. Like we never felt like, oh, if we could have only had whatever song, you know, we we kind of ended up really happy with everything we put in there. Well, I I I can't believe we didn't. This is such a quick interview because they were oh, almost yeah. out of time here, but it's one of those things where I could really, we didn't even scratch the surface on thing, this thing. But I, one thing that I would say that I, I, you know, you mentioned that you could see yourself, most people can see themselves in either, you know, the mother, or you can see yourself in the gambler here, but most of us are probably a little bit closer to Jason Bateman's character where we're kind of the person that's a little bit scared to take that risk on the outside because you have Sundays with the kid. That was the one that while not my personal story that I got that guy complete misunderstanding the lyrics to porn in the USA. Yeah. That's, that's my guy. That's my entry point. We all did for this that, right? Didn't we? <laughs> um, no, Jason, he, he brought so much heart to it. And, you know, every, every actor, you know, brought something special to their own character. I mean, Chris Tucker, you know, basically improv this whole part because he spent all that time with so much, so much time with Howard, the real Howard White. He's a character, a real character. Um, but yeah, Jason, you know, he just he's so heartfelt, and you feel it. You really do feel it. And I did grow up in a divorced, a divorced parent, so that really it, it really landed on me. Um, and um, yeah, in Matt, you know, it's like Matt's reaction to it is so real and sincere. And, you know, it's that kind of stuff, like, when I call it, like, uh, you know, running without the ball, kind of, you know, like, yeah. a lot of times you don't get good reactions from actors who are not tuned in, like, and Matt is such a great actor and so underrated that just the look on his face is, it's what I, it's what the audience feels, you know, so you, it, it makes the scene even that much better. So, yeah, that was, uh, it was quite a, it was quite a revelation because I, I knew that scene would be good, but it. I didn't know that it would make me cry, you know. Well, uh, no, it's it's one of those things. I think you're right to point that out. It's uh, it works because of the scene partners there. That it really does work because of the way Matt's reacting to it in that moment. That he sells that honesty really well. So it's just a yeah. really beautiful yeah. film that has so much more depth than I ever would have thought. And it's just a no. I know. I know. I can't tell you how many people say I hate sports, but I love this movie. You know, and yeah. and it's it's a. Uh, it makes me really happy because like my wife and my daughter, for instance, like they're like, I don't know. I'm not, you know, and they both loved it because it's just, it's not, it's a vehicle. This, the basketball is a vehicle for this beautiful story. It, it's secondary. It, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be, if you're a sports fan, there's tons of stuff in here that you can dive into that you'll enjoy that um, you'll recognize, but you could have no knowledge of it. And there's just an underdog human story that you'll get, but I, I got to tell you, Billy, thank you so much for taking time to do this, man. I, 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 can't believe I didn't get to mention Citizen X once, but that's oh, really? okay. Oh, next I'm glad time. I was <laughs> that was a career maker for me, I'll tell you. It's a great one, man. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Awesome. Take care. Thank you. Time enough to figure you out. Time enough to write this down. Wish me luck. Give me hope.
Always crack.